Tardy Tardis uh, Doctor Who podcast back at you here for yet another episode. Thank you so much for joining us as always. I am your host, Mark Turcott, and joining me as always, my kindergarten classmate, Mr. Chris Maselli. Chris, what's up, man? I forgot about that intro, but it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm liking this because I think this is timely. We are this, we're recording this episode on November 1st. Technically, we're in the Christmas season. Yeah. Christmas season starts the day after Halloween. Halloween. And the episode we're doing right now is a Christopher Dickens special. Charles no, Dickens. No, no, Charles, Charles Dickens. <laughs> Charles Dickens. Uh, a Charles Dickens special. So Yes. Very timely. And you know what, though? This this episode almost seems a little Halloweenish too, though. Even though it takes place You're right. Christmassy, right? But it is a very yeah. Halloweenish with some zombies yeah. and things very going on. Ghostbuster-esque. Yes. In the, yeah. So this week, guys, we are, or this episode, we are breaking down The Unquiet Dead. This was the third episode for the revival series of Doctor Who. And uh, this episode first premiered on uh, April 9th, 2005. So this was, uh, you know, kind of, kind of early on there when everything got going. Uh, but Chris, where do we want to start with this episode? You, you want to give some just kind of initial impressions? We're going to do something new, I think, in this episode. We want to start moving forward. Yeah. So I think overall, um, we're three episodes in. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite episode so far. I'm, I'm with you too, <laughs> and I think we said that last last episode too. We might for episode have. two, yeah, with yeah, the bitchy trampoline. I, I think this one, like. Uh, they, you know, you go back in time and it's a little bit more relatable than uh, episode two mm-hmm. where they were at the end of the uh, Earth's end and it was just wacky craziness. Like this one's a little bit more grounded. Um, and I think the, the the big thing to do what they did from two to three was just show you mm-hmm. we are going to be a million years in the future and we're going to go in the past, in the past and yep. everywhere in between. So I think that was like the the purpose of it, um, and it just got me all the more excited because now like that was one of the questions I had. It's like, are, is this just a futuristic show? And this right off the bat tells you like, no, we're nope. gonna be all over the place. So yep. that's what I got excited about. But it was really, uh, yeah, it was it was it had creepy moments. To oh it. man, and, this was this mean? was an episode that my daughter would not watch. Like you don't when think you so? we start, we actually sat down, started watching this opening, and when you see yeah. the woman get up. You know, when you see, uh, what is it, uh, Mr. Redpath's grandmother get up right. and her face turns blue, it is legitimately scary. And I think we're, yeah. we're going to talk a little bit here after the episode, too. We're going to start something new where we're, we're pulling some facts from uh, Wikipedia about each episode. And it's said in there, people complained to the BBC that this was a little bit of a scary episode for right. young children. And it is. Like, it legitimately right. is creepy. And what's great about that is is the BBC's response was yeah, it's not for kids. So <laughs> <laughs> they weren't they weren't like we're sorry. Oh, we're sorry. Well, it was like no, nope. screw you. It was like don't have your kids watch it. It's like <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think for me too, man. This is definitely you know my favorite episode so far. And again, we're only three in it. I I literally think every episode we're saying, we're saying we're saying yeah, probably. The best. Um, but but I think that there this episode number one is creepy and somewhat scary, which is neat. But then even like in the end when everything kind of wraps up. There's, this is a hard-hitting ending for not only just the situation with the Gelth, but the the doctor's just kind of his perception of them and kind of he's somewhat sympathetic towards them. But then mm-hmm. the sacrifice at the end and then even mm-hmm. the moments that happen with Charles Dickens at the end where he's like, yep. "Does my do my books last? 
there's a there's a lot to dissect here in this episode, right. and I, it, it really is a great episode. So let's jump in here, man. Let's let's jump All in right. here from the beginning. And of course, we it opens up in uh, Mr. Sneed's funeral home, and as I mentioned, you see Mr. Redpath, his grandmother has just passed away, and uh, Mr. Sneed, the, he's kind of teasing something in the beginning. You see him lighting that flame, which we we learn that the Gelth are in that uh, gas that is kind of funneled through every house there, and that's how back in yes. the day how they used to get there. They're light, yes. But I love when, when uh, you know, he's, he's looking at his grandmother. She comes to life. That She just chokes him out. And I love, like, Mr. Sneed's response is just like, oh, no, not again. That's the best part. There's no, like, like oh, my God, the dead is no. alive. It's just like, no, oh, oh, no. It's here we go again yep. is uh, the response, yeah. But her, like, this this is what you said. Like, her uh, facial expression is that that's some scary stuff. And this is 2005. Yeah. And so like, and, and we had talked about the CGI, um, in like the first episode was a little suspect. Yeah. I think they did a much better job. Oh, they I don't definitely know if they, did. I think they hired a different company or something like that for this job, mm-hmm. uh, for this movie, but, or that movie episode. But dude, when her eyes are open and up, man, I don't know. There's something about like, like the walking dead zombies, yeah. their eyes just, crush you you know and, yep. and 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 they nailed it with this uh well the multiple characters wake up from the dead in this oh episode. yeah yeah and and their facial expressions are great dude yeah really and, and she even you know of course uh mr snee tries to put the cover on it she just knocks him down basically and, and breaks out but her walking out of the funeral home i think is one of the creepiest things and that's as far as my daughter got like you know that she was coming really? alive my daughter kind of grabbed on to me like oh no no and then when you see her walk out and she opens her mouth she's with that screen. Open. Done. Not. We're not yeah. gonna watch this episode, and I'm shutting it off now. Like that really? was pretty That's much what happened at that point. <laughs> um, so I, I just I thought that was great. But which, real quick, why was there not a previously on? I think we had because I I listened to last week's ep- or last episode we did episode two. And right. I think there was a previously on for that Doctor Who. We didn't get one in this episode. Mm. I wonder if it had something to do with the runtime. Maybe like they they just didn't oh. have you know because this this episode was so long, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody out there can uh, hit us up with that and, and let us know why. But <clears throat> but I, I know I didn't watch uh, the next episode yet because I want to keep in uh, you know conjunction with what we're doing here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Right, but, right, right. right. Um, after this episode ended, it immediately went to the next episode, and there is one in the next episode. Okay, All so. Right. It's interesting that they didn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. That. that just caught me. I was like, "Why is there no previously on?" Because I listened back to the episode we recorded last week a little bit earlier today, just kind of the intro, and we were right. laughing and joking about how the previously on in episode two, like if you didn't see episode one and you saw that previously on, <laughs> you would just lost it. Like, what is this show? <laughs> but here they didn't do that, so it's it's. And my guess would be it's probably just a time constraint. Like, it could have been. You know, yeah, just, that, been. that kind of pads out a show basically. Right. Uh, but then, okay, so we, we have the old woman is out. She is she is traveling out in the world, and it cuts to, uh, of course, our, our heroes, Dr. and Rose, and the TARDIS, just pulling, again, pulling knobs, just yanking levers, on like, and he's screaming, where do you want to go, 1860? Sure, let's go to 1860. That's where they go, but why, why, why do you have to drive the TARDIS this way? Why can't you just hit a button and it just goes? I don't- I don't know. I don't know. I was wondering that same exact thing. And then, and then when they land, like they're they're kind of like yelling at each other, like when they're in the TARDIS. Like, and, yeah. and why he's yelling at Rose, I don't know because 
this is the second trip she's ever taken in this thing. So <laughs> yeah, she's he's not going to know the control. He, she, yeah. he, he knows which 50 levers right. to pull in and what direction how, and knobs to turn. How did he get by by himself the entire time? Because <laughs> he's telling her, hit those two things at the same time. And it's like, dude, how did you do it? I mean, yeah. you're an alien. I don't know your true form. So right. maybe you have like eight tentacles where you can do it. But um, And then I know they go back to uh, the funeral home. But going ahead a little bit. Like they're yelling at each other in the TARDIS, but then like when they land, they're on uh, the ground like laughing with each other. <laughs> it's like they've been Why? drinking and just what? like <laughs> crashed a golf cart. Like, <laughs> that was funny. I don't know why. I don't so know either. Maybe something happens upon landing, like upon entry. I have no idea. But There's anyway. something going on. And we're going to, at some point, we're oh, gonna, yeah. you know we're going to okay. see these two oh, having, yeah. having good times. But um, <laughs> so before they crash, though, we see... Uh, Sneed, he's yelling for Gwyneth, who is basically his, what, what is she, like a handmaiden? I don't know really what you call her, or, or maid. Uh, she just kind of works uh, for him, right? And yeah. He, he pays yeah. her eight pounds a year, ten pounds a year, whatever it was. We, we find eight out a little pounds. bit later on. But he wants to go out body snatching. And <laughs> the crazy thing is this isn't a new thing. Like, I, just like, oh, no, the, this lady woke up in her coffin we're going body snatching. Get get the hearse ready. Here we go. Like there's nothing. Saddle up, or yeah, uh, Gwyneth. We're going out. Yeah. That seems to be a theme in all these episodes. Is like there's things to us that seem so just out there, but to the right. characters in these stories, it's just like, eh, whatever. We're moving on. Like we're just rolling yeah. with it. Like no, we're not gonna spend too stuff. much time on why we need to go get a body. Let's just saddle up and get a body. We, we just need to get the body, right? <laughs> because there's it. a dead 86 year old woman. Yep. With a blue face uh, and her mouth wide open, yep, walking around uh, Cardiff, which I wanted to get to Cardiff a little bit later too, but okay, uh, we can talk about that later. So that we do see the crash. All right, they crash. They're getting ready to go out. It ends up they think that they're in Naples on Christmas Eve, in 1960, mm-hmm. and uh, the doctor tells Rose she needs to go change her clothes because they're all going to think that she's uh, you know a crazy person wearing those clothes. And uh, we see her take off, getting ready to go get changed. But before that, though, she looks a little bit longingly into his eyes. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. She got a nice little big smile on her face. And she says something about that. It's better with two, right? He's like, oh, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm going to be here. She says, oh, well, it's better with two. Big, Mm -hmm. long smile with those uh, lovingly eyes. And and she technically is a taken woman. That's right. Mickey Mickey is back on Earth. Mickey? (laughs) Which you see, we see him in the preview for the next episode. For the next episode. Mickey's coming back. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, Nikki's old news though to her. She he doesn't. Yeah, he's out of her life. She's it's she's been one episode without him, and she's seen some shit. So (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah. Nikki is is nothing. But yeah, all I can think um, of is Mickey with his little plastic like forehead and his face how shiny he was. That was great. That'll always be my image of Mickey. uh let's see so uh yeah so she's gonna go to the wardrobe so then we cut back to sneed and gwen in the hearse and looking for the old lady and having no idea where she is and he says to use this site mm. and you can tell gwen's kind of like what do you mean and he's like you know what i mean <laughs> so like there's something going on there where he knows like there's a history of her either you know discovering things or just it basically seems like she's what a telepath maybe or yeah you would think so some kind of psychic yeah call her um so hopefully that she's going to be able to find the woman and then it cuts to uh one of the best characters i think we've seen on the show yet and that's charles dickens and and i say that because i think in my head this is how i would picture him 
having been. Like, it seems like it's a pretty historically accurate portrayal, well, which the Wikipedia even says that, right? Yeah, like this guy, uh, apparently he's like a like a Charles Dickens scholar or something like That's that awesome. is the impression that I got. Like, he's played him or he studied him. Um, and he, I guess he said, like, he wasn't, when they first approached him, saying, you know, we want you to play Charles Dickens in a show. And I guess it was like, what the show, what's the show? And they said, Doctor Who. He was, I think in the Wikipedia entry, they said like his heart dropped because he didn't, he didn't think they would take it seriously. Right. Yeah. Just and then like he read the script and he was like, this is actually a accurate portrayal of him. I'm in. <clears throat> and the strange thing about this guy who's playing him, I don't, I don't have his name right in front of me. Sorry, but, uh, uh it is Simon Callow. Okay. Um, he, I can't get out of my head when I see him, Ace Ventura 2. Because that's <laughs> what he was in. And he was just like a bumbling idiot in that movie. Bumblebee 2. Yeah, and he's great in this. So uh, I think hopefully this, if nothing else, this episode will make me think differently of this Redeem man. Other than, other than Guano. <laughs> Guano. <laughs> well, you know, here we just, I just talked about how a lot of these people don't seem shocked at anything that goes on where he is the first character that truly either just tries to act like he doesn't like it's not real. Like, you know, when we see a little bit later on in the theaters, like, Oh, it's a bunch of lantern tricks or, right. you know, he just thinks it's all this fake stuff that's happening where, and then at one point when we actually see the Gelf and he's freaking out, he, he just runs away because <laughs> he doesn't know yeah. what to do. Right. <laughs> but then eventually he comes to terms and deals with it. And I think that's cool. Like he's, he's really the first character that actually, I mean, I guess you could say Rose kind of to some extent, but Rose for some reason has never seemed shocked really by anything that that's happened. Um, exactly. but he really just, you know, seems somewhat disturbed when it, when it all comes, comes together. So I think his character in this, the way they did it was just great, sure. but he's getting ready to go out on stage. And the guy comes in and says, hey, you know, you, you got to come out. And the guy offers him his wife. Yeah, what was up with that? What was, and then just smiles like, yeah, like, like, yeah, I take my wife. It's fine. I mean, I guess it's just like, you know, in today's world, I guess if like LeBron James was in front of you, like he, he is the, Charles Dickens take is the LeBron James. James of the 1869. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you just you just offer up your wife, apparently, to the. Yeah. <laughs> to Charles Dickens. Yeah, take my wife. <laughs> yeah, he says, no lady wife waiting out front. And he says, no, nah, I'm afraid not. And the guy says, you're going to have mine if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it's like that. he's done it before almost. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but so we, I guess we learned Charles Dickens, and, and I'm sure this is something he did, but he would go and do these speaking engagements where he would basically read parts of his books. That's cool. And what, what's interesting is when he's reading A Christmas Story, and he's at the part where um, Scrooge sees Jacob Marley <laughs> in the door knocker. The, mm -hmm. the crowd acts like they've never heard that before. So, which kind they of really wonder, yeah, because when he says it, like, you know, he looks and it's the face of Marley and you see this woman go, oh, and she like kind of like yeah. goes over and, you know, you almost wonder back then. And again, I don't know if they were going for it, the historical accurateness of, of everything in this episode. Right. But like, was it just the fact that back then, like people, you didn't have the money to buy a book. So sure, the only yeah. way to... See, because I even think they say that this was a free performance. The only way was to go literally see Charles Dickens read you these mm. stories, you know? I don't know. I thought that was kind of neat. Like, wow, maybe they really kind of hit at something that is truly historical with, with what's going on here. And there's a scene a little bit later on, uh, I think when he's when he's uh, kind of playing chicken shit and he runs for his life, where he, like, shuts a door and then the blue yes. mist 
kind of comes through yep. the door knocker and you're like, oh, I see what they did there. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, I think of the Disney version. That's the and best one in my Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> 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 Wilhelm scream all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so then we get Dickens. Uh, he's getting ready to go out on stage. So, but before he does, we get a shot of Rose in her nice 1860s gear, like at night. And even the doctor even yeah. says, "Oh yeah, you look beautiful." Tell for a human, for a human, she looks good. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got to tack that on there for a human. Right. Looking good, Rose, for a human. Uh, but then they go outside, and you know, Rose, of course, is just like just beside herself that she's in uh, what she thinks is Naples at this point. On Christmas Eve with the snow, it just looks gorgeous. Um, so they kind of take off just to see what kind of stuff they can get into, right, out in right. the city, not really knowing where they're going, what they're doing there, because at this point they have no clue as to what's going on uh, in the city at this point. And then it cuts back to the theater. Chris, or, uh, Charles Dickens comes out, getting ready to go. Dude, and, but, but, like, there, there's a, a, a scene, like, where you see the old woman. <laughs> There's multiple in, scenes. All right, you're, you're watching it, right? Yeah. All right, go. Eight, oh, I see it. I got eight it. Eight minutes and 57 seconds. She's <laughs> yeah. just like down a little bit. That is creepy as hell, dude. Like, <laughs> I know. And, and how just, did nobody know? I how don't does know. nobody in this audience not see? It's like, I mean, this isn't even like a good Where's Waldo. Like, where's the dead lady? It's clear where the dead lady is. She's not hiding right. anywhere. No. That it, it that's just it's bizarre. Just, just, at, everybody's clapping and she's just sitting there like the old dude, granny. Like look at the guy front. He's he's like in what would be the front row of this scene. See him. He's got the big mustache. Right, let me go back. He looks out. like Joaquin Phoenix and Jack Black had a baby. That's what that guy. Where are we here? <laughs> Where are we? The lower web. He's in the bottom right. He's like the front row. He's like. <laughs> If Jack Black and Joaquin Phoenix had a baby, it would be that guy. If you're if you're watching at home, it's eight minutes fifty eight seconds. He's on the bottom right. Perfect. I love it. Oh, look at that do. I love it. But look at that lady. I mean, she's terrifying. Oh, it's so crazy. Like everybody's clapping, having a good time, excited, and she's just stay staring blankly. It's yep. It's disturbing. Totally. Oh. And so Charles comes out, and you know, and they even zoom in on her at one point. She's not clapping at all. So they come out ready to go. Uh, they see the theater. Uh, actually, the doctor at this point realizes they're not in Naples; they're in Cardiff, 1869. And and Rose almost looks like like she kind of knows something is happening at that point. You notice that like she kind of pauses when he says that, like 1869. She's like, oh, 1869, Cardiff. Like, which which I don't think do they ever go back to that or explain why she kind of had that pause. And, and, no, and that's a- what I wanted to say. Like, wh- what is what is it about, like, Cardiff? I don't know, like, British that, well, I was gonna say, it, as much. I think like, it's the fact that we're just American guys. We have no clue. Exactly. I so don't know. this like, is really the stuff know. where we need, like, some emails and things like that <laughs> on some history of, like, Britain. Like, why? Because he almost, like, makes fun of Cardiff like, like we make fun of, like, Cleveland or, or something. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, oh, who would go there? And you're right. Like when he says like 1969, I don't know. Like, was there some kind of an event? That that's what I was wondering. Is there some sort yeah. of historical event that happened around Christmas time in Cardiff at this point? Right. right. Um, I mean, and um, I guess this is a thing. Like with with the, I don't know if the TARDIS like has. We have different iterations of the Doctor. Is that true with the TARDIS as well? Because I read something. 
on this issue, or, or I keep saying issue. I got to get comic book thing out of my head. Um, that uh, that this TARDIS does this, and this is the first time in this episode where it brings him to the wrong time. Ah, okay. So uh, I think he did want to go to 1960 at, or 1860, 1860 yeah. and the TARDIS screwed that up. <clears throat> So, and that's one thing that we haven't really got into. I mean, right now the TARDIS is just a vessel for him to go places. But I get the feeling like as this goes on, like the TARDIS is going to be more than that and be a like, right. functioning character at some point. Yep. So I don't know. I, I uh, this is the first that we've you know he's been sent to the wrong place. But it also shows you that it doesn't matter if he goes to 1860 or 1869, crap happens. Like weird shit is going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's there to kind of. Fix whatever he needs. Yeah, pretty much wherever they go, something's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, so then it flashes to Dickens telling the story from uh, Christmas Carol, and then that's when he says, "You know, the door knocker had Marley's face on it, and it looked kind of like that." And it's the lady <laughs> cuts to the old lady in the crowd, face turning blue, just looking again, just super super creepy. And everybody freaks out in the crowd and goes running, trying to figure out what is happening with this old woman. Um, Charles wants to know what kind of phantasmagoria is this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which is the greatest. I want to I wish I could find a way to put phantasmagoria into just my everyday vocabulary. <laughs> it is such a good word, but it's a long word, so. Um but then yeah, so then everybody goes screaming, Doctor and Rose hear it, they know, hey, that's where we need to go. There's people screaming, there's got to be a reason for us to go there. And the Gelf or our first appearance at this point, we just think is a ghost comes flying out and uh then goes chasing or then goes what into um, the gas. Eventually, it's, it's kind of going around the theater, scaring the hell out of everybody, and it goes into the gas. Right. Um, Charles is in complete denial. He thinks that it, it is a lantern show, I think is what his, his terminology was for it. Um, Doctor and Rose see it. Doctor thinks it's great. He's like, this is fantastic. He says right. as he comes in, you know, because he gets excited over this stuff. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? He seems to say it? that a lot. He seems to say fantastic a lot. He like, does. He said it in every single episode multiple times. So I think that's and brilliant. I think it's brilliant a couple of times too. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, like it's good to see like a, a human aspect of this in Dickens, where he's like, this isn't real, this isn't normal. Where uh, you know, even being the viewer, like we're, we kind of just buy into like something weird is going to happen, mm-hmm. and you ha- you need that human element to kind of tell you like, no, this is not how things are supposed to be. Because even Rose has taken on the role of, I'm expected to see some kind of weird stuff going on right now. Right. Yep. And and it is. So we're kind of we kind of get like the the beginnings of knowing we don't know they're called the Gelf yet. At this point, yeah, we don't. But we know like we we kind of see like what's going on. I think they do some stuff with uh cuz he he mentions the gas I think when they're in the theater, right? He does, yeah. Not, yeah, He's so like, it's the gas. first time that kind of cuz he sees it go into that. Right. So we're kind of slowly putting those pieces together at yep. this point. Um, so the old lady, cause the, the girl left the old lady, she just falls on the ground, her body. Well, Sneed and Gwen go in and take the old lady and get her back into the hearse. Rose sees this and Rose is like trying to figure out what's going on. So she follows them saying like, what mm-hmm. are you doing this old lady? And she sees Gwen and she's like, what, you know, what are you doing to her? What did you do to her? And she touches the lady and realizes that she's ice cold and dead. Says she's ice cold, you know, she's dead. And before Gwen can really do anything, Sneed comes around the corner and just, chloroforms rose i mean i don't know what she does and says that she's seen too much and throws her in the back of the hearse as well and they get set to take off now my question is what did she see that nobody else saw like rose saw exactly the same thing as the 300 people that just stormed out of that theater why 
chloroform um, her and not maybe everybody else. Maybe because uh, maybe like she saw them taking her out. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like because yeah. everybody else is kind of in a panic and nobody's really paying attention to the the dead old lady who they got out of there rather easily. Pretty easily, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a that's dead weight. That's not easy and and. Uh, and, if, and honestly, the knowing the way, it, from what I know of Sneed, I bet you he made Gwen just carry her the whole time. <laughs> didn't, he didn't even do anything. Yeah, he didn't even lift a finger. No, nah, he's he paying was her eight pounds a year, man. She's got to earn that eight pounds a year. So. Yes. <laughs> which um, which I looked up comes out to $10.38. A year. A year. Wow. That's what she's making. So. Crazy. Yeah. But I don't know. This Sneed guy, like. I don't know. He, uh, he's kind of. Uh, he, he's almost maybe the villain. To, to this point I, right now. At this point, he is, definitely. Yeah. Um, so then the doctor goes out. The doctor sees Rose get thrown in the hearse and mm-hmm. stands there and doesn't really go out. And we see the hearse go down the road. He could have caught up to that hearse, right? I mean, come on, dude. Like, that's what, when I saw yeah. that, I'm like, it's going. The, the horses had to get going. Like, there's a process for them to be moving. <laughs> the doctor could have easily caught up to that hearse, but he decides not to and instead gets in a, a carriage that's right there that just so happens to be Charles Dickens's carriage as well, and they right. get into a high-speed carriage chase Dude. basically happening. What was the game where it was the high-speed, like, rickshaws? St. Row the Third. I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> Um, and, and if if it's on YouTube, it might be like just look up Saints Row Third. You went to like a there were like sex slaves or something. Yeah, like and and it was just this terrible scene. It was Saints Row the Third. Yeah, you did this slow motion <laughs> rickshaw chase, but the rickshaws were just like sex slaves that, pulling that these would, things. Yeah, that would blow up when you shot them. Is, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we have here. But it gives you the the. The whole reason they did this was to get the doctor and Dickens to become kind of like friendly, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. And and, and he, get, like, he tells he tells Charlie because he calls him Charlie at one point too. Yes, yeah. he tells Charlie, "I'm your biggest fan." And and you know he he's like, "What's a fan?" It's funny just because there's there's obviously pop culture lingo that people use that sure they, they didn't use back then. So he's like, "How are you?" Uh, what does he say? Like an item goes, to keep it, me cool or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in what way do you resemble the means of keeping oneself cool? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, but so then uh, they finally oh, – oh, and in the conversation with Charles because he ends up telling him like like he just thinks he's his, his quote-unquote fan or just really likes him and that's why he's in the carriage. But it's actually he, – he ends up revealing to Charles, no, my friend is in there and she's only 19. So we find out that Rose is only 19. Yeah, right. I thought she was a little bit older than that. I know. But she's not. And and uh, Doctor looks a little aged. You know what I mean? Not yeah. not old, but he's got to be. What do you, would you say? Maybe at least late thirties. Right. But he's an alien in so a human body, so it's just, robbing, it's just the body that he got, right? It's a cradle that's being robbed. I think. Yep. Um. So then they we see Sneed and Gwen bringing the bodies, meaning both Rose and the old lady, back into the morgue. I guess if you want to say it. And uh, then we see uh, one of the Gelth come out and go into the body of, was it Mr. Rosebud? Was that his name? That was the red, younger. The, red something. Yep. And uh, he gets up. And, red front something. And starts, Red Path, Mr. Red, red Path. Path. He starts coming at Rose. And, and by this point, Charles and the doctor have shown up. 
basically force their way into the funeral home. And uh, I loved <laughs> when they, they get in there and Charles sees uh, the, the zombies basically walking around or whatever. And he says to the doctor, what, what in the Shakespeare is going on? <laughs> so like a lot of people like today that? say, what in the Dickens? <laughs> Uh, he says what in the shakespeare <laughs> that right there made this episode the greatest episode of all time oh, the man. best written episode ever i'm looking the writers mark gaddis or gaddis yeah instead See, of saying is, what in the dickens, dickens he says what in the shakespeare Dude, i picked up on him saying what in the shakespeare and i didn't I didn't pick it up in that way. That's why he said it. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm just the way I saw it was like, oh, that's kind of funny how like a historical <laughs> author is referencing another historical author like yep. from before his time. I didn't even put the what in the yep. Dickens thing in that. that by, by at this point, Charles Dickens, <laughs> which I don't even know if that's the origin of that saying, if it really refers to Charles Dickens. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, that is so amazing. Hard. Actually, That's I think perfect. he says that when they hear the screaming, they hear Rose screaming. So then they all go running in, figure out what's going on. They see the zombies or, you know, basically Mr. Redpath and his grandmother walking uh, towards Rose and them. And uh, what, what is it? Doctor uh, sees Rose and asks who they are. Like basically right. says, you know, who, what's going on? Who are these people? Uh, who are these beings? And they say we are. This is at the point, right, where they say we are the Gelf. Um, yeah, I'm getting up to it now. Um, <clears throat> yes, yeah. Yep. And I always like scenes like that. Like everybody's like in a in a panic, and like you're being confronted with like this almost like demonic presence. And when the doctor busts through the door, he just stands there and has a conversation with him. Yeah. He says, "Who are you then?" <laughs> just like, "Hey, man, just, what do what do you guys need? <laughs> I'm here to help." Yep. It says we oh, are yes. we're trapped in this form, cannot sustain, help us, and they shriek and then they leave. Okay, so at this point, we don't actually know that they're the Gelf, but we hear them saying there's something going on, and then they go into the gas. So then the doctor kind of realizes, like, wait a minute, these are uh, different creatures, and um, there's something going on here with, with these aliens, that they're not just ghosts. Um, so then Rose yells at Sneed and says his hands were quick to wander, right? Yeah, she, she's right. Uh, doing that. And so the doctor says, you know what, I think we need to have um, a seance. And, right. Uh, well, that's that comes at the end of the conversation oh, that Rose right, okay. and Gwyneth have, and uh, you know, there's nothing. It's just you see the the uh, the difference in time periods when when the two of them talk because they're talking about they're talking about like men, and uh, you know what what's her name? Uh, Rose kind of talks about she likes a good bum, <laughs> <laughs> and Gwyneth gets this look on the face like, oh, I, I she gets all like like I don't know what that means. But did you notice um, when they're talking about um, doing the uh, when at, right after they first see like the Gelf and they're all talking that Gwyneth goes up to the doctor and says two sugars just like you like it? Yes. So that was kind of foreshadowing. Yes. That she knows. How she know? Yeah. Is uh, that just know. because she's a. I, th I think so. Or? I think so. Because because later on when she tells Rose, you know, like. To see her, she says something about your father, like losing your father. She just knows, so she just—it's—it's it's showing us that she knows things about she other people, okay, just because she's basically it. a psychic. But there is a great scene uh, or good uh, line here when uh, basically Charles is still trying to deny everything that he saw, and the doctor says, "Charles, you were there," and he says, "I saw nothing but an illusion." And the doctor says, "Charles, if you're going to continue to not deny it, don't waste my time. Just shut up." 
<laughs> and Charles Dickens is like, he doesn't know what to do. Nobody's ever spoken to him that right. way. Like, yeah. he has his certain language that he's talking, and here comes, like, the doctor telling him to basically shut up. You shut know what I'm thinking of up. right now? Like, who Charles Dickens looks like is in, in uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> when Forrest is talking about how he got his name, and they show, like, the old, like, KKK. Oh, something forest and yes. it's tom hanks playing that kid. it's a really yeah, yeah, quick yeah. like it looks like this Charles it does Dickens you're right here. it does yep I j that just like struck me just now yep. anyway uh so then we get kind of two separate scenes breaking out here we have dickens who goes over to the bodies and uh just again kind of not being able to to deal with what he saw um i think the doctor comes into him at that point apologizes for telling him to shut up yeah. um and just says you know i'm sorry but you know he can't, he's kind of basically saying how um you know these these are creatures from another world uh they're aliens um they're not just from here and uh, that they use gas it's because he says gas seems to be the issue but then it cuts back to rose who now is meeting with gwen at this point Mm -hmm. And this is when we kind of realize really what Gwen has. She has somewhat of a psychic ability. She can just see Rose and know that her father is dead. And they start having this conversation about um, even even Gwen realizing that Rose comes from a place. And this takes a little while for this conversation to develop. But right. she tells her, you know, you come from a place where metal boxes go so mm -hmm. fast down the road. And... Um, she doesn't say planes, but she says, you know, things fly in the sky. But those two are also metal, I think she says. Yeah. And, and they're carrying people or something. They're carrying, yeah. Says, so Rose yeah. is kind of realizing, like, wow, this is really kind of freaking this lady out. Right. Um, but then she even tries to play with it a little bit and say, come on, there's got to be a guy that you like. She talks about how the butcher's son she right. likes. And so it's kind of neat seeing this reaction of two young women from two completely different, different time, time periods, periods trying to have a, a decent conversation here. But it's there still is somewhat of a difference between them that it's right. kind of hard for them to be able to do that. Yep. Uh, that's when we find out she only makes what ten dollars and thirty six cents a year. a year. Yep, which is insane. Um, uh, and I think this is where the doctor comes in and says, "You're the you're the key to all this." Yes, that they're yeah. on top of a rift because we did hear the rift was uh, mentioned back when the Gelth came out of um, Mr. Yes. Redpath and his grandmother at that point. Right. So the doctor kind of how did the doctor figure all this out? Do you think? <clears throat> how does he know? Um. I don't know. know. I think because I think he, it, you get the impression that he was listening to this whole conversation. Oh, true. It, yeah. You don't see him just like kind of just show up and be like, hey, by the way, you're the key. Let's go have a seance. I think he was listening to like everything that she was saying. And uh, I think he maybe put the pieces together even when, because he has a look on his face when she says, two sugars just like you like it. <clears throat> so I think he's a smart guy. And I think he just put it together that she, she is a, a kind of vital piece. In all of this, so um, yeah, because the the Gelt said at that scene where you first see them that uh, they say something to the effect where like you know we need the, the rift is breaking and we need to bridge it. Right. Like he just puts together like they need to bridge it somehow. Mm -hmm. She's a telepath. That'll be that'll be the best way to do it. So I think he kind of was just using his. Well, he's a doctor, so he's smart. You know, he went to <laughs> college for eight years. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's he the doctor of? He's the doctor of time. Know. Is that what he I is? Guess. I guess doctor so. Of time. Yeah. Uh, so then they get ready to start the seance. Charles wants nothing to do with it. Charles Dickens. So he just he's like, I'm out. This is <laughs> he says this is sheer folly. Folly. So Love he's it. Uh, ready to get out. He wants nothing to do with this uh, stuff. Uh, but then we start to see he he doesn't leave. I mean, he stays there. But then you start okay. to see the gas or the gelf kind of coming through. 
and we start to get some pretty neat dialogue from the Gelf, which yeah. we were talking about the CG or the CGI. Like this is probably the best we've seen up to this point, mm-hmm. I think, right? I mean, they're they're pretty cool. I think it's pretty good. And Charles just looks terrified when he sees them. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh yeah they're pretty cool looking so we get some info from them as to things that's going on with them so they're saying take pity on us uh we learned that they're the last of their kind and that there's very little time for them. so they say there are so very few and that's key the that phrasing is key that there's just a few there. of them left they have most of their kind was lost to the time war there it is again the time war. The time what is war. with the time war? I don't know. I'm sure the people who have know everything about this series are either laughing at us or just screaming at us that they can't wait for us to know what the time war finally is. Yep. If it is anything, is it this rose, just something? But, that they... but it's got to be because Rose looks directly at the doctor when he's when they say the time war because Charles even says what time war, and they and the Gelt says the whole universe convulsed and Rose at this point is looking at the doctor and you see the doctor he's just kind of like looks at her like, yeah, I wish they didn't say that. Or, or it's maybe bringing back bad memories of him. And they said the time war raged and that it was invisible to smaller species, but devastating to higher forms. Right. So this but I think thing, she's just looking at him like like we are, right? Like she's heard of it. Yeah, And we've knows. heard of it, but we don't know what it is. So I think she's looking at him as if to say like, wow, now we're in a completely different point in time and the time war is still a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, we need some more information on that. Yep. Don't email us and ruin it for <laughs> us. We, we, we'll get there. But yep. uh, I think that's maybe, like, the overarching thing of this whole thing is this time war. But. And, and then, you know, the Gelf, this is where we kind of become sympathetic to them. They say, you know, yeah. have pity on us. Our bodies are gone. We realize, because even the doctor says, oh, that's why you need the corpses. They're They're basically just embodying these people to be able to feel sunlight again. To live again is what they say. Okay. So they, right. they just, they're stuck in this gas form. They need a physical form. And um, they basically say, hey, you're dead or abandoned. Yeah. Can we use them? Like, can, <laughs> can I go in this dead guy over here? Like, he ain't using it anymore. He's dead. Yeah. Um, And that is kind of what brings us into when they finally go away here. So we're, you know, we're going to skip forward just a little bit. Because then, then this leads to a big discussion and kind of the morality Right. Of what's going on. And that's kind of the doctor is kind of on the side of the Gelf. I mean, he is right. Cause ultimately he's the one that kind of says we need to do this, but what do you think of that? And his reasoning, cause Rose is completely against it. She's like, you can't do that. You know, we can't have corpses walking in the streets, but then he says, are you a donor carrier? Dude, that like was a donor like... car carrier. And it was like, mic yeah. drop, mic that's drop. That's exactly what, what I wrote. I, I wrote mic drop. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? What else? You know, yeah. your your it's, heart is is out. Why do right. you get to take that heart out of that dead person and reanimate it in your body to live? Yeah. And so. it's almost like the reaction he has is like it. Like they're they're both looking at each other. Like, are are you crazy? Like Rose yeah. is looking at the doctor. <laughs> like, why would you ever do this? Like, this is not like moral. And the doctor's looking back at her. Like, why wouldn't you do this? Like, this, this, <laughs> yeah. You have dead bodies that are serving no purpose Yep. to him. That's his point of view. Mm-hmm. And when he dropped the donor card thing, it's like, oh, man, you can't argue that. Like, I don't know. Like, where would you stand if this was you and you were in this <sighs> position? I, I, I mean, I think I, I mean, I think I would need more information. Like what what do they look like when they come back? Do they look like that woman? 
because I don't yeah, want that. I think, I think they do. I think they do because we I, find yeah. out a lot of them can't get through the rift, and we have to open the rift, fix the rift, and until we do, we can only get one or two through at a time, and this is what they look like. So it's literally right. going to be just tons of dead bodies walking around. But maybe Which maybe, maybe not because also. because we see um, Mr. Sneed get killed here in in a few minutes here in the episode and immediately get taken over by one of the Gelth. So you would think that this the woman, the grandmother who is who is reanimated, she was dead for a little while and somewhat decaying, and then right. the, one of the Gelth got into her. Where if you're a fresh body. Which the Gelth, you know, as this goes on, that's probably what they want to do. Billions of them coming onto the earth, literally murder, murdering every human and immediately taking the bodies over. They're going to be fresh, fresh bodies, right? So, But they don't, you don't think they'll have like that little like Mickey look to them, like look a little plasticky? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> you know, like then no, I don't glowy. want that. They're going to be a little blue glowy. Right. Yeah, maybe it might be know. cool. You know, you can walk around at night and see where you're going because you got I the blue light. I guess it's just where your morals are. I don't know. No. But but me right now as a human, if this literally happened and this was real, I would have too much respect for our dead. Right. No. no, I don't want that to happen. No, you're crazy aliens. I'd be terrified. Yeah. I'd be Charles Dickens in the scene, hiding in the corner. Maybe we only let them through on like Halloween, where it could. Maybe we we do the guilt purge or the dead the yeah. dead body purge. Like is that the purge is once a year, right? Is that what those movies are all about? Like yeah. once a year, people going to purge. It's like all right, yeah. Halloween. All right, Gelf, you can come out. That's fine. Um. But all right, so then we realize that okay, they're gonna they're they're arguing over letting the woman help open up the rift or, or the woman, uh, Gwen herself, Gwen. Yeah. and um, Rose is totally against it. Rose is like, no, you know, you can't do this. Think of her for her sake. But then Rose or Gwen speaks up and says, "You, what if I want to do this, Rose? Like, let me do this." Yeah. And so they they're they're gonna go for it and they're gonna try mm-hmm. to open this rift. And uh, really, it's just because. You think about maybe the life that Gwen has lived up to this point. She's basically, I don't want to say she's a slave, but she's been stuck working for Mr. Sneed for basically nothing, unable to get an education. And here is a moment in her life where she is the only one that can actually help. Even though it's not helping humans, it's helping the Gelf, but it's still, hey, she has pity. They've pled their case to her basically and she says i can do something and be impactful for these other people i'm gonna do it and so she's ready to do it and ready to go for it she keeps referring to them as angels because at this point they they probably just can't grasp the concept of extraterrestrials um so let me ask you though what's the purpose of the doctor in this episode he he'd have like what's his role is Is it just to, to you know because he doesn't uh, Gwyneth is the one that bridges the gap. Uh, he doesn't have a like a, a saving. No, well he does. At the, well, at the end, I mean, he's mm. the one that basically doesn't pull Gwyneth out, right? If it wasn't for the doctor, yeah. Gwyneth wouldn't have blown herself up. Probably, and the Gelth would have just taken over the world. Where he's the one that kind of says, "Take these matches," right? Doesn't he give her the matches? No, no, she pulls, she pulls him out. Of out. Her, That's right, she pulls him out. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to minimize his role in it, but like, yeah. he he really didn't even the 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 uh, the idea of what they do at the end. I don't want to get too far ahead. Is Dickens like he runs away True, and then yeah. he he comes back and has the idea. Turns the gas on, yeah. So hmm. anyway, keep going. We'll get there. 
But uh, it's all right. So then they figure out where the weakest part of the house is because the doctor says that's probably where the rift is. They go down into the basement, right? I think is where they are. The morgue. I think they're in the morgue. Yeah, in the morgue. There's bodies down in there. And uh, they're ready to go. Gwyneth goes over, stands in the corner. And the Gelth appear and start basically funneling through her. But we find out that they've been lying the whole time. Yeah. And that there are literally billions. So the Gelf says mm. the bridge is open. They no longer are blue. They turn into like this purplish, demon reddish looking Gelf. Right. And um, they just start forcing all these these numbers through. And even Dickens says, you said you were only a few in numbers. And they're like, no, nope, we, we got billions. We, a and few all billion of us, is what they say, And yeah. all of us are in need of corpses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they go and take the other people out in the morgue. And that's when they go in and attack Mr. Sneed. And literally the guy, the one guy that gets up from the morgue that's uh, inhabited by one of the Gelf, as Sneed is just yelling at Gwyneth, basically telling her to stop. Uh, the guy just walks up, snaps his neck, and Sneed instantly gets taken over after that. He rises up and uh, comes after the doctor and Rose. And at this point, Charles takes off. He runs when he sees Mr. Sneed being taken over. He's just out. And... Um, <clears throat> which you know i'm looking right now mr sneed so we're saying you know do they all look like that the eyes at least look crazy it's the eyes because yeah he just looks up with that look he's yeah. got the crazy eyes so you still would have the crazy eyes at least yeah um but then they all start coming after the doctor and rose and they basically barricade themselves in the small jail cell or i guess yep. it's a jail cell right i mean it's it's got bars on it kind of yeah um, i don't know why that's in the basement that's what i'm saying so this can't there. just be the regular morgue because the regular morgue is where we saw but he well, says guess, let's go down to the morgue. Yeah, I guess maybe that's, that's more says, the funeral yeah. home is where we saw, or the funeral, yeah, the viewing yeah. room maybe I guess is what that right. other room was. Uh, but then uh, Dickens is kind of realizing about the gas. You can see he's kind of thinking about it. But then we have this great moment of the doctor and Rose, and they kind of realize like, wait a minute, this this may be the end of us, right? They they <laughs> could be in their final moments here. Mm-hmm. And uh, what some of the lines that they say are pretty awesome. It's um, I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, I'm moving uh, to it. Da, 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 da. She's like, I haven't been born yet. Right. Rose <coughs> says she can't die she because can't she hasn't die. been born yet. And the doctor tells her, I'm sorry. But then he says, the time isn't a straight line. He says, you can twist it in any shape. You can be born in the 20th century and die in the 19th. Right. So it's kind of what's her. But then he even says, he says, you know, I've seen the fall of Troy. I've seen World War V. I pushed boxes into the Boston Tea Party, mm. you know, and then here he is now getting ready to just get yeah. <laughs> murdered. And I think that's that's more of just letting you know, hopefully, you know, where where this whole series goes. You know, they, they can they can show you in an episode going all the way to the future, out right to the back and all those things he just listed. You know, we can go to any of them. They can go there, yeah. Yeah, so which is kind of cool. And I think that's what's cool about the show is that it's always like building this lore that we have not seen and may never see, but we know that it's there. You know what I mean? Like those three yeah. bits. He was at the Fall of Troy. He was at the Tea Party. And oh, and and he was at World War Five, which by the way is going to be Hasn't a thing. Happened. <laughs> so it's like setting the stage. Like even though we may not see that, we know that there is this story, this history to the Doctor. Right. I think, which is just awesome. They're yeah. always just are constantly doing that. Yeah. Uh, but then and Dickens they, realizes well, kind of that it is all the gas and um, floods the house, goes into the house, starts turning on all the gas and uh, realizes what it is that they're going to be able to do to take out the Gelf. 
And so he does that because what it does is they're going to basically turn on the gas and it pulls all the gelth out of the humans. Um, I'm assuming just using physics, wherever there is more gas, they just follow the gas and there's no more gas in the humans. They float up into the air. And then we kind of get just this um, moment where, uh, you know, the doctor's talking to Gwyneth and he's telling her, you know, remember that world that you saw? Uh, He says, if your mother and father could look down and see this, they'd tell you the same. They'd give you the strength. Now send them back. He keeps telling her to send them back. And she's saying, I can't. And uh, the doctor's basically telling Charles and Rose to leave. And uh, he says, remember the world you saw, Rose's world, all those people? None of it will exist unless you send them back through the rift. Mm. And she keeps saying, I can't, I can't send them back. She says, but I can hold them. Mm. Basically hold them in this place, hold them here. And this is the moment, there it is. There's the moment where she pulls out the matchbox. Rose instantly screams knowing what's going to happen. But again, this is another moment where Gwyneth realizes she can finally have her life mean something, right? I mean, first Mm. she thought it was to help the Gelf. Now it's, I can help it because Rose, This because basically the doctor kind of pleading her case is, you know, this girl Rose, I've seen her future. And if I don't do this right now, that future doesn't happen. And mm-hmm. we know that's not going to happen because the doctor basically told us time can be changed. Right. So because at one point, I don't think we, we hit on it yet. Rose said to the doctor like this. I know this is going to work or, or what, what does she say? Like, I know this isn't going to work or something because we know in the future there aren't corpses walking all over and we've never heard oh, of corpses right, walking right, right. all over. And, <clears throat> right. but then the, when the doctor says time can be twisted, time can be changed. You can make change almost like the butterfly effect, right? Which is kind of where you, you kill that one butterfly. You change the course of you history. Exactly. That exists in this show. <clears throat> yeah. And so when Gwyneth knows she needs to take these guys out. And so Rose goes running Doctor says thank you, basically goes running, gives her a kiss, right? I think he kisses her on the forehead. On the forehead, yeah. And ba boom. Big explosion. Big Which explosion. is good, good CGI too, by the way. Better good. CGI, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Better than the first uh that first episode with the uh the walking dummies. <laughs> if you <laughs> so remember good, that man. one. Yeah. That when that building blew up, that was terrible. So good. But um <clears throat> but it's good because after that happens, like the three of them are standing outside and and at you first, know, Rose is like, where is she? She's like, where, where right. is Gwyneth? And, and the doctor's like, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. And then Rose but realizes, has, like, wait a minute. She has a good line where she's like, you know, she saved the world. And no one will ever know who no she is. No one will ever know. Oh. It kind of makes you just feel, like, terrible right now. <laughs> like, it makes you wonder, like, how many things throughout history had like How many that. times that happened, right? Yeah. Like, think about, like, here, here's, here's a single person whose name has gone through american history that we all know paul revere yeah paul revere was a single guy that rode a horse shouting that the british were coming mm-hmm. how many other paul revere's were there probably right? in other, you know why him why was he the guy yeah. whose name we remember you know what is it about that that individual person how many other cities were under attack at that or bring it to any war countless wars damn the germans are coming whatever it is in world war ii like what is mm-hmm. it that made him be remembered. There are so many right. people like Gwyneth that were probably lost to history and they're never going to, we never. never know their stories. No. So, but we know Gwen's story now. We know <laughs> that's it. why we have Dr. Who. To that's, bring right. These stories that's right. To that's why we have the doctor. Um, but yeah, so then uh, we, that's just kind of the end of that. And uh, you know, they kind of look at Charles and Charles kind of realizes there's so much more to this world. 
uh, than he knew. And there's a nice little pan out of the three of them kind of standing there looking at the house kind of burning. Yeah. Um, but then Charles, you know, he's ready to go, uh, basically saying thank you. And they go over to the TARDIS, and he doesn't realize like what the TARDIS is, because you know <laughs> he doesn't even realize they're getting ready to say goodbye. He's like, you know, what do you mean we're getting ready to say goodbye? Like, well, where are you going? Like, I don't understand. Um, but then he kind of, you know, I think get, gets the hint that wait a minute, where they're going into this this box here, there is something else uh, going on here. And and even before that, he even says he's writing a book, which again, another historical accurate thing. He actually was writing at the time the mystery of Edwin Drood. 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 Yes. And he says he's been looking for who the killer of the uncle is going to be. And he's, now he suddenly says, that's going to be these creatures that are not of this earth. And they're going to be these blue. You know, it was the, mis- the mystery of Edwin Drood and the Blue Elementals is the, the title that he's going to call it. <laughs> um, but history will show that he, number one, obviously that wasn't the title of the book. And he never was even able to finish it. And Rose says something to him, like uh, to the doctor. What does she say? Like, is he going to write that book? And the doctor says, no he dies next year before he's able to finish it. Cause which is, is like, true. Which is a true story. Which yep. is very true. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the moment and I, I mentioned it at the top of the show where Dickens kind of says like, you know, do my books live on, you know, it's the mm. one question he has. Cause he, he picks up on like, wait a minute, these people are from the future. They know. And he says, answer me this. Um, you know, number one, who are you? And the doctor just says, what a friend passing through, friend passing through. Um, and then he says, you know, do, do my works last on or last and he says yeah so pretty cool man i i think it overall is. this is just a great great episode yeah you know, I, I, I don't know it, you know kind of obviously there will be better episodes you know i'm sure coming in but i think just overall the the ups and downs of this and then even just kind of those i, I every episode has had like a nice solemn <laughs> moment kind of here like this one at the end where it's kind of quiet and the topic that they're talking about at that moment is somewhat i don't want to say touching but it's like it's digging deep. Like Doctor Who yeah. goes deep at some <clears throat> point. Even even the morality of letting these alien creatures take our corpses that we no longer <laughs> use, that's like a great question for a bioethic. I took a course in college, bioethics, and we would talk about stuff like that. I mean, I'm a pharmacist. So one, one mm. of the, the big one we always talked about was you're a pharmacist, guy comes in to buy the medicine to literally save his child. The medication costs $2,000. He doesn't mm. have the money do you give him the drug? And it's like, I can't because I then am, am basically stealing from the company, but in the same right. sense, his son is going to die. And we would talk for an hour about that topic. Wow. This was a great bioethics question. It's like, what do you do? You have yeah. these, these creatures you could save by giving them your dead grandmother. Do you give them your dead grandmother? Like, Well, and I think you know the answer, the answer they give you, at least in this episode, is... No, because like you don't have the full information, and what did they do? Right. They took advantage of they it. They took advantage of it. Yes. Yep. So, I don't know, and like, and and to me, it just I just love even movies like from this time period. I just love like old school looking movies and set pieces and things like that. So, um, Christmas in and of itself is like the greatest time of the year for me. Like, it's I absolutely love it. So, having that aspect, the whole Dis- Dickens thing. It was, yeah, man, it, it was so, like, the, the last episode, like, I liked it, but sometimes crazy sci-fi stuff, like, I'm, like, drained at the end of it, <laughs> and um, what was her name? 
the stretch Armstrong. The there. big trampoline. Was, we just call it the big trampoline. That's all I just call it. <laughs> trampoline. Yeah, that would like that would just look like like a bit much towards the end. It was still great, but mm-hmm. this, like I said, like in the beginning, like this was more like a down to earth, humanized episode, but still had that some like sci fi feel to it with the Gelf and all that stuff. And yep. it's fantastic. Yeah, great episode, man. And and do you think there there were still like you know. Do you think the main point of this episode was just to show like the range of what the series is going to be? I think it like, was you... when we when we actually dig into the wiki a little bit here. That was one of the things they said was these just the first three episodes because again this was the revival of Doctor Who. It hadn't been on the the TV for what like eighteen or nineteen years or something at that right. point. And so they wanted to show like, hey, we're in present day, which was the first one. Crazy stuff happening in present day. Yep. We're going to the far future, and we're going to go just about a the most extreme sci-fi you possibly could go with mm-hmm. the show. But then we're also going to show you, we're also going to go to the past and we're going right. to, and really, you know, the, each episode is so much to the extreme. Like not, not that this episode really goes into the past to the extreme, but just the way it, it's more of a touching episode is bringing a historical figure into the show and treating them respectfully. And then also layering on just the crazy doctor who creepy scariness of, of the, the Gelth and how they're making the zombie characters. It just, those these three episodes, I almost want to say like if and and we haven't seen where this this goes, but like to get a taste of whether or not I think you would like Doctor Who, if you don't know after these three episodes, you you like if you watch these three episodes and you're like, man, you know, I don't want to carry on, you're done. It's just not for you because I don't yeah. know where else they could possibly go. They've they've gone everywhere. Like where else well, are they gonna go? I, uh, well, I mean, as far as next episode, like the the previous for next oh, next episode, looking good. UFOs are here, man. Crashing like, into Big Ben. Love it. So you got UFOs. <laughs> Mickey is back. <laughs> and the rest of it is just, I don't know what the hell People is going People unzipping their foreheads with yeah, crazy like, glows coming out of it. Some woman is just yelling randomly. <laughs> uh, it looks like the doctor is in control of like a military army or something. Like... Dude, I don't know what in the world oh is going God, on. Dude. In this I just episode. pause it. The scene of them unzipping their forehead. It's just two. Oh, it's, it's a woman and a man, and it's just classic. They got creepy that, yeah, smiles they, on their they, faces. They look like uh, something from like what was that a Schwarzenegger movie? It goes to, up to uh, total, total, total recall. recall. Yeah, it looks like yep. a total recall like scene or something. But so I don't know. Like so far, there's no that I can see no connection between any of these episodes Mm. with with the exception of like the time war. They keep referencing that. Yeah. But there's no like uh, these, these things, all these events are all connected somehow. Other than that, I don't know. I can't wait to see Mickey's response when they show up again and they get back. Yeah. Like what, 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 what do you think his response is going to be? Is he like, Oh my God, I've missed you so much. Or is it just gonna kind of be He's like a... such a doofus? Like I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think he'll have any reaction. Yeah. I think it'll be like you know, did you get the milk or something like that? <laughs> well, and you know what? It depends on he can. What when are they gonna go back? Because couldn't they literally show up thirty seconds after they left? Mickey? They could. Right? They could. You're yeah, right. They, I mean, they could. That's the thing here. We're playing with time, so they could have never even left. You're right. Like Mickey and could why? Just turn and why do they go back to present day? Yeah, that's a good question. You know what I mean? Did, did she just say, like, you know, I just want to go home, check on my mom or something? Or yeah, I don't know. Like, why are they picking these time frames? Like, he, he wants to say, like, let's just try 1860. But I think there's something more to it than that. I think he he's just saying that almost, like, flippantly. Like, 
Yeah, it was for eighteen sixty, yeah, but there's a reason why he wants to go. Yeah, there it is. I, I think there so. there definitely is. Um, all right, so let's uh, dive into some of the other things yeah. about this episode. I know you pulled up some great just little facts and nuggets. Yeah, so um, so we had talked about how it's the first episode to be set in the past, and they wanted to show the range of the series, all that stuff. Um, the woman who plays Gwyneth plays a character called Gwen, full name Gwen Cooper, in the show Torchwood, which I've heard of but had no idea that was a Doctor Who spinoff. No, I didn't either, man. No clue. No clue. clue. I, I, heard, I heard of that show mm-hmm. over and over again. Didn't know they were connected. Um, I guess when the the uh, the writer you mentioned named Mark Gaddis, when they he originally wrote the episode, the Gelt weren't in it at all. Not at all, it had nothing to do with the episode. <clears throat> uh, he wrote different drafts of the episode, and for one of them, they simply popped in his head. I want that ability to write like these guys, like Stephen King can just have an idea pop in their head and yep. then he can write 800 page book on it. <laughs> the guys just amaze me that can do stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so this was very interesting. So, and this, this goes into, this is just getting started. Like the, the series is just getting back into the flow of things and coming back after whatever, 15 something years and they have a budget. And um, there was a scene where uh, it was just cut because it was too expensive where the doctor – I'm guessing it was when they were having the argument on if they should bring or let the Gelf take over the bodies. Um, I guess there was a scene where the doctor quickly brings Rose to the future to oh, show yes. her what would happen if they didn't defeat the Gelf and just left. And the scene was like there's just zombie bodies walking all over the place. That's awesome. So I think, it's, I think his – that was his almighty mic drop yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they settled for the donor card. And scene. I think the donor card is better, honestly. Like it would have been it cool kind of to see. Simple. It would have been cool <clears throat> to see all the other things, but I think that was just like just to add to the bioethics of what's going on here. I think that's exactly. that's a great, right. great yeah, line think, to be in there for think, sure. Like, like you're saying, like that would have been fun to to witness that, but the simplicity of him just having that dig was perfect so um some reception of the show like we had said in the beginning mark is one of those parents who uh not that you thought it was too scary but your kid thought it was too scary um okay so there's a doctor who novelist whose name is lawrence miles he posted a review within an hour of the show premiering or broadcasting and he said he stated that asylum seekers or the gelf are all evil and out to exploit liberal liberal generosity, who's the doctor. And Mm -hmm. he also felt like it promoted xenophobia by claiming that all foreigners were invaders. Which is so strange because of what's going on in this little country We are recording this in uh, November of 2018. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Apparently he received a lot of backlash over that and he deleted that, uh, that review and wrote another one. I don't know, man. Like, this is where people just look for too yeah. much in an episode. Well, you, you know, know? I, this guy, I would want to know when did it says he's a Doctor Who novelist. Right. Is this like, a guy who in the, in the 18 or however many years the show wasn't on the air had been writing Doctor Who books? They revived the series and didn't include him. And he's like, you know what? Screw this. This episode's yeah. garbage. And so he's out there. You know what I mean? Like that. That's as soon as I read Doctor Who novelist, I'm like, oh, that's all it was. So he's like, he got pissed. Salty so McSalterson. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's gotta. Be I don't that. know. Like when you read too much into stuff like that, 
you might be onto something there. So uh, Charlie Brooker of The Guardian wrote that the episode, quote, may be the single best piece of family-oriented entertainment <laughs> be, uh, the BBC has broadcast in its entire history. That's a statement, bro. I'm I'm standing Every- with him because <laughs> because I, I don't watch the BBC, so it is the best so thing I've is. ever seen in the it BBC. Is, yeah. From our point of view, it <laughs> that's right. Um, he also he said, said it's clever, funny, exciting. It's moving, looks fantastic, and in places it's genuinely, genuinely frightening. He's it, right. Yeah, it is that that opening scene with the old lady. That's definitely. Definitely, yeah. So, but there are people on the other end. Um, it, let's see. In Who is the Doctor? A guide to the revived series. Graham Burke felt that The Unquiet Dead was quote terribly, terribly disappointing on the first viewing. Uh, but I think he did say something like it was entertaining. And Burke's co-author Robert Smith called the episode a complete mess. Oh, where do you get that from, dude? I don't know, man. What, like I don't. Under we had this conversation in another show uh, about the movie uh, Venom, and people are saying it's a mess. What do you mean by it's a mess? I don't get that when you're trying to describe uh, <sighs> a show or a movie or something like that. I, there's nothing about this episode that made me think like, oh my god, this is all over the place. This is a mess. Yeah. To me, the story. I mean, I, when I would hear somebody say something's a mess, I, I would see it as. The story just doesn't seem coherent. Where like it's just jumping around so much, and and yeah. there's pieces missing. Where to this, like it seems pretty straightforward. I don't, I don't yeah. see what we'd be missing. In no, this I, I, I wasn't. Know. When when something's like a mess, I feel like um, I'm going to be like lost, and I'm not going to know what's going on. And I never had that yeah feeling yeah. at all the entirety not of this even episode. Close. So, so. That's really it. So some interesting little tidbits right. on this Great episode. episode for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, next week we will be doing episode four. That is the Aliens of London episode. Like we mentioned, nice. you see that giant UFO crashing into Big Ben. So I can't wait to dive into that. A um, couple of things that I meant to actually mention this up on the beginning of the show. We are now up on iTunes. So if you uh, listen to your podcast through iTunes, you can now get us there. So we'd appreciate it if you do get us there to leave us a review over there. It helps us move up the iTunes chart. And as well, just spread some more eyeballs or, or ears, I guess, <laughs> right? We say it uh, onto the podcast because we would like to, uh, of course, you know, we want more people listening to the Tardy Tardis for sure. Yep. And uh, you can also email us the Tardy Tardis podcast at gmail.com. You can find the links to that in the show notes. And I'll also even put the iTunes link in there as well. Uh, and just help spread the word if you know some other friends of yours that listen or that watch. Doctor Who, and and you think they would get a kick out of going back and reliving all these episodes uh, with two American guys who have no clue about this show at all. I mean, we've never watched Doctor Who at all, and that's, I think, the Mm -hmm. best part about the show. (laughs) Which, (laughs) and the worst part is as we're recording this, season 11, right? Is that the one they're in right now? With the the new Doctor? Is airing, and I'm seeing things on Twitter from people saying how great it is and all that. (laughs) I wish, like, I almost want to catch up, but nope, we gotta wait. We, we're, this, is, we're, this is a haul. We're going, we're, be, I mean, I do we do the math of how long we're going to be doing the show? Uh, we did, and I don't remember what it came it's out at to. Because, at least two years, probably, right? Because if you, because you figure there's the average, 11th... there was like 15 episodes per season, like on the average, probably it was like this, 15 or 16. Probably, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, just say it was 15, then, two and a half, three It's years, 150 probably. weeks. That's, yeah, three yeah. years. Okay. So, we're going to be going with it. So, 
Uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you again, as always, for listening to the Tardy Tardis. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, safe time travel. Tardis away! <laughs>